like the interesting thing about Sylvia Plath is that in her lifetime she wasn't the famous poet that she is now. Mm-hmm. That was kind of created after actually because one of her most prolific times was the few months leading up to her death. That was Rosemary Doyle, the artistic producer slash artistic director of Theatre Kingston, which is one of the many artist-run organizations here at the TED Center. If you haven't turned into our past episode, we interviewed Modern Fuel Gallery's executive director, Anne-Sophie Grenier. I suggest you take a listen to it. We talked about her journey to Modern Fuel and a few of the things that the TET Center has to offer. But this week, we have another one of the TET's lovely artists here to tell us a bit about her background and a few of the up-and-coming events we have here at the TET. I'm Maya Kotsavalis, and welcome, or welcome back, to TET Center Radio. Stay with us. Right, so why don't we just start off with an introduction? So, just tell us uh, just a bit about you and about like the work you do at the Tet. Sure, um, I'm Rosemary Doyle. I'm the artistic producer of Theatre Kingston. I prefer the term artistic director because more people know what that means. But basically, what they mean is, is that I get to be the artistic director and I also get to be the general manager all in one. So you're also a playwright as well. Could you tell me a bit about that, like? What's the first hook that gets a new play idea started for you? Oh, um, like a theme, a character, an image. I actually don't write that way. I write to spec. I, I write a play when a play needs to be written. <laughs> like when we have to put on a play, I will write a play for it. So you're inspired by the pressure? I'm inspired by we need to put on this play. Like the most recent uh, little bit of playwriting, I, I didn't really do much of the playwriting, just a bit more dramaturgy, is for the next show that Theatre Kingston is actually going to open the season with. It's called We Speak. Mm-hmm. And it's based on, during COVID, we did a thing called I Speak, which was a monologue writing online festival. So they had 24 hours to write a monologue. Who did? Uh, anybody who signed up. Oh, really? That's so all so these cool. pe- so 30, 30 some odd uh, writers from Kingston and area signed up to do this. And uh, I've taken their work and we uh, it was called I Speak. I put it into a book form just for fun. Yeah. And uh, we have taken that work and we've picked about I think there's about 21 monologues. I'm not exactly sure. I haven't counted them, mm-hmm. but uh, we've taken those works and I've adapted them so that they fit into a narrative. So it's actually a full-on play where they all connect. And I was very pleased because I managed to, with very few changes, except giving sometimes giving the words of a monologue to a character that Mm -hmm. already existed in somebody else's monologue. In doing that, I was able to create a narrative that has a beginning, a middle, and an end. And I think will be very satisfying for people who come to see the show. I think think they'll be like that. It's really strange how when a festival like that happens, certain themes kind of emerge organically. It's like we're all connected on this kind of deeper kind of uh, talent kind of weird, it's in the air kind of way. Like, so you get these kind of running themes through some of the monologues, even though the people weren't... You didn't collaborate on it? They didn't collaborate on it. They didn't do it on purpose, but there's, there's things that kind of draw draw stories that come and draw deeper meaning of the Mm -hmm. uncertain topics. It's quite, 
It's quite magical and beautiful yeah. the way that happens. It's going to be actually performed at the Tet. So when... we're going to be doing it at, uh, at the Tet Rehearsal Hall. And that's going to run from September 16th until October 3rd. Okay. At okay. the Tet. That's called We Speak. And it's going to be, uh, I think it, people are going to really love it. Yeah. Like, Especially, it's it's kind of a thrill to write something and then have it be performed. Yeah. You know, like it's it's really fun to do that, to see it going from concept to realization. You realize this yeah. concept. Yeah. That's so cool. Um, I was doing a little bit of research. Um, oh, what did before. you find out about me? I'm scared now. Um, nothing too bad. Don't worry. Nothing too um, bad. Good. <laughs> but I see that you have Sylvia effect coming yes. up. And I'm a big Sylvia Plath fan. Well, I was yeah. reading the description and it seems to be this like super abstract take on Sylvia Plath's life and works. Peter Hinton has written that, who's one of uh, Kingston's finest and also one of Canada's finest uh, theater practitioners. Mm. He's uh, he's quite a hero when it comes to the theater world oh, as yeah. a director and, and theater creator. He's very innovative and he does the most just incredible work. And yeah. it's all very... Uh, very on a heightened level. You're playing uh, the character called the daughter. Could you speak yeah. a little bit more on that? that? Uh, Sylvie Plass, actually, actual daughter, is a poet in her own right and a, and a painter. Oh, really? And she, yeah, she's had quite an interesting life. I've been reading some of her stuff. It's it's interesting to see how having such famous parents of Ted Hughes and Sylvia Plath and having mm -hmm. this dramatic uh thing about your mother is is pretty wild like That's traumatizing really. yeah well yeah. what's even more interesting is that she didn't actually know that her mother had committed suicide until she was in her teens we've been exploring that in rehearsals mm -hmm. like when do you tell a child mm -hmm. that this has happened like because they were only two and three years old when yeah. when so you don't tell a three-year-old they can't like comprehend can't comprehend that right so so when does it come up in conversation again? Mm -hmm. It's not like they grew up in the time where you Google your mother. Yeah. This isn't uh, something that you would just be surrounded by. So it's, it's quite fascinating. Mm -hmm. So in I was reading um, Peter, the director's description, mm -hmm. um, and it seems like he explores this like theme of death, and um, but more like how... Um, an artist's death is like commodified yes and as a value of their work like goes yeah. up when they die like Vincent van gogh they're seen as this like tragic figure um and like sylvia Plath totally plays into that yeah it's almost well, like she's famous uh not only for her writing but like the way she died oh absolutely yeah. and frida was very mad about this and, and used to say you've turned my mother into a suicide barbie doll that's a good way. That's exactly yeah, right. That's like, which is it. a wild uh, concept of, well, because also Sylvia Plath was so pretty, mm -hmm. you know. So people love it when pretty people die. I, like so they, weird. like they get obsessed with it. Yeah, you know, like if it was just some kind of normal-looking person, they'd be like, oh well. Like that's what uh, who was it? It wasn't Mick Jagger, but it was one of them. One, some guy in the Rolling Stones, and and when uh, Diana died, he goes, oh, there goes another dead blonde. <laughs> <laughs> right like yeah, you know like good, yeah, which is yeah. awful yeah but it's it's kind of true we're obsessed with like marilyn monroe sylvia plath the, so diana weird. spencer you know like it's this kind of morbid morbid fascination yeah. 
so like how do you think, like considering that like the quantification of like an artist's death yeah um do so, i feel ironic well, well, how a little you... bit yeah come see this show <laughs> yeah true <laughs> but like how do you think that like affects you not like as an artist but like as a person like to know oh. your work could be more valuable after oh, you die. Oh, here's the interesting thing. Theater's live. So after I'm dead, you're not getting then any more not, shows out of me. My work crazy. isn't more, more, like maybe as a playwright it might be, but as an as an actress, yeah. it's suddenly not worth anything. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like, that is true. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, uh, it's very strange. Like maybe people can like uh, exchange stories and write a biography and stuff. I'd love to be that interesting that somebody would care. <laughs> But, uh, you know, we'll, I don't know. Who knows what well, will happen? Who knows? Maybe you'll never know. I'll never know. Yeah. yeah, exactly. In fact, that's the saddest thing about it life, is isn't it? It is the saddest thing. It's like, there we go. You know, poor Vincent van Gogh. Who, who'd have known he'd become a giant I balloon know. floating over Toronto? But he's <laughs> yeah. going to be any day now. It's, I just, I think about that all, all the time. Even, like, people that, like, fought for, like, women's rights and, like, um, emancipation. Yeah. Um, like, oh, they never got to see No, life is what happens to you when you're busy making plans. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Do you think that that aspect is just like the nature of art? Or do you think do you think that's like an inevitable inevitable part of what it means to be an artist? Um, I no, I don't. I uh, I actually think it's kind of a bit of a fluke every now and again. Really? Uh, yeah, I think like the interesting thing about Sylvia Plath is that in her lifetime, she wasn't the famous poet that she is now. Mm -hmm. That was kind of created after, actually, because one of her most prolific times was the few months leading up to her death. And many of the of her works of poetry that were released were actually released by Ted Hughes after her death. Mm -hmm. So that, that kind of stuff came after and so she never got to see herself being the world-renowned poet yeah. that she is, it is yeah. you know, and it's very, uh, it's very strange. And I think there are quite a few of us who are able to manage our careers while we're alive. And then every now and again, there's that undiscovered person that somebody puts a lot of hope behind, Yeah, you know, like, and I think that is... That happens when there's someone left behind that cares about your work. Yeah. Like if no, if Sylvia Plath, even though she had separated from Ted Hughes at the time of her demise, mm -hmm. if he hadn't cared about her work, mm -hmm. we would never have heard of this woman. Yeah, that is true. Yeah. That's so true. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So have you like, have you always been interested in like, theater have you since like were you I've been doing theater since I was eight years old pretty really? steadily really I've been doing at least five shows a year since I was 12 what's what's a show that's like really stuck with you that you've done well if I wanted to go there was Annie when I was 12 was pretty important why is that well because I was Annie oh were you yeah I was Annie <laughs> it was the first time Annie was ever done at the Grand Theater oh, really? so, so you were born in Kingston I was born in the Hotel Dieu there was that and then I did a great production of Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf oh, at the yeah. Red Sandcastle Theater. And that one was really funny because on the poster, the, the usual tagline of that show is George and Martha invite you to their house for fun and games. Mm -hmm. And I put on my poster three brandy glasses. And after the invite you to their house for fun and games, I put dot, 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 BYOB. 
And people did. People did. They brought their own liquor. Yeah, it was highly illegal. I couldn't stop them because every single person came with booze. That was probably a good marketing strategy. Yeah. So they all, I got them in, closed the curtains, and then, like, I I was playing Martha, but I was also doing box office because mm-hmm. I was pretending that I was like hosting yeah. Dad's oh, events and stuff. Yeah. So everybody there was basically drinking their faces off while we were pretending to drink our faces off. That sounds was, like a great It was time. hilarious. Yeah. So that's a highlight. And then when uh, was that? that was about eight years ago, I guess. Yeah. And I also, for Theatre Kingston, I did Finnegan's Wake, which was an amazing show because it was all done in James. Finnegan's Wake? Yeah. Like James Joyce. James Joyce's. How did you make that into a play? It was amazing. It's written by, like adapted by Craig Walker who's on our board right now. He, How can you even adapt? It was amazing. Thing? It really? was an amazing show. And we we had did it here in at the Baby Grand. And then we also toured it to the Tarragon Extra Space. And it was an amazing show. And it was all in James Joyce's kind of like crazy, crazy language. Yeah. But I remember it in completely comprehensible English because I remembered what I was meaning, mm-hmm. not the actual words that I was so saying. So like what was, the, what was that plot? Like, how could you describe? Oh, well, it was a dream play. So when it follows the book quite quite accurately, actually. It was really? very fun. And I'm of Irish descent. Like, my parents are both Irish. And my dad's a historian. So that one was really fun for me in that all this information about the Irish struggle for independence and all these stories about things that James Joyce is writing about mm-hmm. and the history of Ireland is all stuff that I had knowledge in my head. And so suddenly for the first time in my life, it was actually relevant. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, I know what he's talking about here. He's talking about this. Oh, I know what he's talking about here. He's talking about this other thing. That's good background knowledge to have Yes, that that was fun. And then my other last one is is doing uh, Happy Days last year. And Craig actually, Craig Walker directed that one too. Happy days. Is that? That's a Samuel Beckett. Oh. Okay. It's where she's buried up to her waist in sand. Yeah. Second act, it's just my head in sand. And that was just... pretty challenging. Well, I had to tell the story without being able to move. That's and really... keep the audience engaged. And yeah. it was and remember what comes next when it's really esoteric. But it was very that was that was a definite highlight for me to be able to do that. That's hard. Yeah, and I did her as Irish. It worked a lot better. It's very funny when you do it as an Irish person. Yeah. I think they often do her as an English person. It's a bit tragic. But when yeah. she's Irish, suddenly everything's funny. funny. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? Because I think there's an innate uh, optimism in the Irish culture that, that uh, makes turns tragedy into comedy, you know? The difference between tragedy and comedy is hope. And I think the Irish people, because of all the troubles that we've been through so to speak, mm-hmm. in fact, right on the nose troubles. Yeah. Um, they persevere. Tough cookies. They, yeah, they yeah. persevere and they make a joke about it and they love, like there's a certain love-hate relationship with the human race and they, you know, they get on with it. <laughs> yeah. 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 So like where you are now, like mm-hmm. running um, Theater Kingston. Yeah. Was, was that like a goal or ambition for you or did you just kind of fall into that? Uh, Well, the position just came up and uh, it actually came up a little bit early for me to Mm -hmm. tell you the truth, but I wanted to jump at it because I love the city Mm -hmm. and I love theater and 
those two things going together is theater Kingston. Yeah. is theater <laughs> Kingston. And those are two of the things that I actually really, really do adore and think are important. Yeah. I did a lot yeah. of theater in high school. Mm -hmm. Um, I did three plays while I was there and like, nice. The, it was the best high school is like just okay for me, but like mm -hmm. those plays really made made the whole high school, high school experience. Yeah. Like, I, you, you get so close to people when you're in a play with them, like in just a way where it's like, yeah, it's Insta family. Yeah. I really felt that doing the, during, uh, directing the meeting this year, the one with Malcolm X and Martin. Oh Luther yeah, King. yeah. Yeah. That was me and me and the three guys. And it was just really wonderful sharing all mm -hmm. because you have to give of yourself to do a, a play you well. Do, yeah. yeah. It's very like, like vulnerable. It needs like to you've be. You've got to embarrass yourself sometimes. Yeah. You're not used to that in normal life. No, no, you have to, yeah, you search out and you find the little bits of truth that ring in your soul that, that will make your character sing out. Thank you so much to Rosemary for her time and enthusiasm. If you'd like to get involved in Theatre Kingston or if you have any questions for Rosemary, she can be reached at rosemary at theaterkingston.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, send it to your friends and family. Come swing by the tent and feel free to explore. We have a lot coming up in the fall, so make sure you stay up to date by checking out the events page on the Tet Center website. And if you have any questions for the Tet Center staff, we can be reached at arts at tetcenter.org. Thank you so much for listening and take care.